This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. No colors anymore. I want them to turn black. Well, this is your program as well. Welcome back to Sandy and Sean. Our phone number and text line is 303-831-1340. Danny Bailey's monitoring that line. And uh, what do you find it on texts, Danny? Yeah, we've got a couple from the same listener. The first one, guys, isn't it crazy that every team in the West is loading to beat the Nuggets? And then Saul Walton a bunch of times in the old days against the Nugs. Love the guy. Love him on Pac-12 games as well. Man of the people. I agree. I love seeing Bill Walton on uh, those Pac-12 broadcasts. But this is kind of the NBA now. The yeah. offseason's always crazy, so I wasn't really... Surprise! I don't think it's crazy. Maybe it's crazy as a Nuggets fan just to see everyone to be seeing to everyone have to adjust to us. Yeah, but but that's the NBA today. Yeah, that part is kind of strange. And and I think when you look at the the situation there with every team trying to chase the Nuggets, it's uh, that part for Denver fans is strange. But year in and year out now, the NBA has gotten more and more crazy because uh, as teams adjust to a CBA now that is different than it was before. Uh, you saw teams go to the tail end of this last one. Now they're getting ready to make an adjustment for this one. And it's intriguing to watch. But yeah, big swings, big trades. Uh, you look at teams like Washington that realized they ended up not getting the deal they wanted out of uh, Bradley Beal. They got the deal they actually liked out of Chris Porzingis, who actually performed up to his contract. But now you're spending a lot of money on a guy that on a team that they know is going nowhere. So they kind of try to do the uh, the reset. Right. Strip it down, try to get some some young, talented guys to build off of. They do that with uh, Poole and Jones and then go forward. And then there are other teams that are close. The, the thing that amuses me, though, Sandy, I guess to a certain point, is even though the super team strategy has worked in recent years, this year it really didn't work. And maybe Boston is not going for the super team approach because I'm not really sure you can call Chris Epps, Przingis that kind of player. Uh, but the Warriors are now with the move for Chris Paul. The Suns are with the move for Bradley Beal. Uh, in the Warriors case, this is a one-year deal because that's what Chris Paul has left. The situation with the Suns, who knows how much Matt Ishbia wants to spend, but if, but he might end mm-hmm. up, if he wants to keep these four around, uh, you're going to have four players and literally, you know, 11 guys on rookie deals. That's what you're going to be talking about. Street free agents, veteran minimum, rookie deals. And that'll be the whole team. The Nuggets not only have built things up, and you started the show that way perfectly, pointing out that uh, with the exception of Michael Porter Jr., which you can quibble, there are certainly teams that have players that uh, gave big contracts to players who have had their their careers start well. Jordan Poole's one of them, for example. The numbers for the Nuggets actually are sort of in the appropriate order for your contributions. And moreover, they've stayed together. We watched Kevin Durant try, and he, he's special because Kevin Durant's an unselfish player who you can just kind of drop in. He does what he does. And and you don't need to accommodate it all that much. But that's not usually the case. Chris Paul may have to move to a reserve role for literally the first time he comes off the bench in a game will be the first time he ever comes off a bench in a game. The Celtics now are going to have to move away from Marcus Smart, a tenacious defensive player who's really been kind of the heart and soul of that team for nine seasons and incorporate a, a guy that is a 7-3 shooter mm-hmm. in Porzingis. There is no continuity on these teams. Right. Continuity is a big part of the reason the Nuggets, and to even an extent, the Heat were able to succeed the way they've succeeded. That's a more important factor in today's CBA-driven NBA landscape than I think a lot of teams are necessarily ready to understand. Well, it, it, that's a great addendum to the 
point I was making earlier about how the Nugget salaries align with the capabilities of their players at the present time. Now, I wince a little bit. Listen, Clay Thompson deserves all the money he can get. He's a future Hall of Famer. But at this particular time, he's making $10 million more next year than Jamal Murray scheduled to make. That's correct. That isn't in line with the current capabilities of these two players who have been similarly affected by ACL injuries in the past, but Thompson's considerably older than Murray is. Not only do the salaries align with the talents of the players, but this next CBA almost demands that you not overspend on players in any way unless you want a team made up of three or four guys who are making all the money and the rest are on minimum right. salary. And that's what the Suns are doing, straight up. Unless they so trade DeAndre Ayton. you're going to play three or four guys just to win 45 to 50 games next year, uh, play three or four guys 40 minutes a night? What kind of condition is that going to put them in come playoff time? The Nuggets don't have to do that. In fact, the Nuggets did one of the four or five smartest moves of significance that they've ever made, in my opinion, during a regular season. When they took the last month and said, listen, particularly with respect to Jokic and Murray, anything resembling an injury, we're going to be, unlike the playoffs, extremely cautious with to the point where we will, especially once we officially clinch, we will sit players out as they did with Jokic over the final 17 to 20 games of the year. uh, I think over the final 17, he missed more time than he actually consumed as a player. They didn't care. They weren't campaigning this year for Jokic to be the MVP for a third straight time. They were campaigning for the Nuggets to be a championship team. Did Kendrick team Perkins secretly time. help the Denver Nuggets by by trying to help Joel Embiid? Did he really help? I mean, I guess Embiid got what he wanted, but did he really end up helping the Denver Nuggets? Because it, it clearly tilted the discussion so far to one direction that Jokic was essentially eliminated from it, and that freed I think the, Nuggets the Nuggets. Up. I'd like to think. I don't know this. I don't. You know, I'm sure you could strap any number of Nugget coaches and front office people to a lie detector machine and and they'd pass saying, no, we did that to be cautious and partially by design too, because we knew a healthy team would be more dangerous in the playoffs than a team with quote unquote momentum going into the playoffs. More than any other team in the NBA, the Philadelphia 76ers finished the season in the strongest possible fashion and more than any individual player in the NBA uh, through March and the early part of April, Joel Embiid finished the season stronger than any other player and was rewarded with the regular season award as most viable player. But the 76ers did not even make the conference finals. The Nuggets made the NBA finals for the first time and won an NBA title uh, for the first time, won a championship, either NBA or ABA for the first time ever because they realized that the priority 
should be placed on having a fresh team for the playoffs to the extent that you can control that. And if there was any doubt about a player's condition, especially a star player's condition coming down the stretch, they were going to err on the side of caution. This is kind of the, I mean, this is one of the things to their advantage. But they're not a cautious organization. Look at what they've done. The trade they made during the finals and the deal that they made yesterday that has them sitting in a position to select three times, 29, 32, and 37 overall, and they can move any combination of those picks if they want to move up, if they have a player targeted. Uh, Mike Singer reporting today in uh, the Denver Post that the Nuggets hosted a workout that included uh, Trace Jackson Davis, who is showing up in some mock drafts Mm -hmm. as a potential Denver pick. Um, Connecticut's Andre Jackson, who's also showing up in some mocks as a Denver pick. Um, Arkansas's Jordan Walsh, who I've seen a little bit and apparently impressed the Nuggets more than maybe some of the other players. Uh, Jordan Walsh from Arkansas, Missouri's Kobe Brown, Gonzaga's Drew Timmy, a familiar name, um, maybe a potential backup center. I don't think Drew Timmy is a starting player in the NBA. No, but I don't Could he either. be a nice reserve? Absolutely. He's a smart player who plays the game, as they say, the right way. He is not the most gifted player in this draft. And the Wake Forest uh, star Tyree Appleby, has also been examined by the Nuggets, according to Mike Singer and league sources. The Nuggets sit in a really enviable spot because they don't need starters. They don't even need future starters. They're, they're not worried that far ahead right now. They don't even need future starters. You're, not, you're certainly not worried about getting a future star. All those things would be nice, but that's not the objective. And that means that players that are generally sort of dropping in the draft or or don't get high consideration in part because teams are looking for future stars, future starters in that order. And there's the idea that if you're a senior and you're still at college, there must have been something wrong with you because why aren't you coming out with the freshman sophomores? If you're a lottery team, you're looking for at least a starter. Right. And probably a star within the first 10 picks. That's not the whole lottery, but if you're a top 10 pick, you're expected to be a star. But seniors, upperclassmen who can contribute, juniors and seniors, especially ones that have played for competitive programs. These are the kind of players that happen to sit in that 25 to 40 range. That's exactly where they tend to sit. Uh, Guys who may not have been impressive enough to come out early Mm -hmm. after a year or two. A guy like a Drew Timmy, who's not really a starter. People know know how to to play. play. And won't need a long ramp up time. coached in many cases by some of the greatest coaches in college basketball for three or four years. What's wrong with that? Nothing. For the Nuggets, it's exactly what you want. It's exactly what you want, which really puts them in a great situation because, yeah. You want players to come in here without complaint when it comes to playing time, You're not gonna get much playing time. Shots. Nope. And value the pass. Even the pass that leads to the pass that produces the bucket. Mm-hmm. The hockey assist, as right. they say. 
values the pass more than the shot. They got plenty of guys who can make shots. Yeah. If you're coming off the bench, they don't need you to score. They They don't need you to score. They need you to be responsible defensively, uh, pugnacious, as Christian Brown is, for example, as Bruce Brown certainly is, as Jeff Green even can be from time to time. That's fine. In fact, that's probably one of the leading qualities that they're looking for. And if you look at these players, and I haven't gone through detailed scouting reports on all of them, the players you just mentioned, the players the the Nuggets have had in for workouts, pre-draft workouts, none of them, with the possible exception of Timmy, have been great stars. No, at their schools, not 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 superstars, not but, big scorers, but contributors, major well, contributors. Sure. However, for you look sure. at the whole UConn team. I, I mean, there's a lot of Andre Jackson in the entire UConn team. Right, they were national champions this year. Kansas won a year ago with guys, with the exception of center David McCormick, who are not prized prospects. When they came to Kansas, they were not heavily recruited. They were, in fact, by their own coach, termed the year before they won the national title as not athletic enough. Something Chris Brown, uh, Christian Brown, poked back at last year <laughs> when Bill Self had said the previous year they weren't athletic enough, and Christian Brown. Uh, last year, as Kansas is on its way to a national championship, noted that uh, the team must have gotten a whole lot more athletic over the summer because nobody was complaining about their lack of athleticism last year, and nobody is complaining this year or should ever complain about the Nuggets not being the most athletic team in the league when athleticism is fairly defined by more than just the ability to run fast and jump high. Yes. Yes. There's more to athleticism. And and, and we're learning there's a lot more. This is what I think really threw so many folks on the national side is the idea that defense is also not, there's been so many assumptions that are oversimplified, right? You just talked about athleticism. Same with defense. Oh, Nikola Jokic is a bad defender. Who's not? He's an outstanding defender. Now, does he do it well, in a way that's, that's flashy? Yeah. I, I mean, I I don't know that he's outstanding, but I think that you well, can say this. People don't hit a lot he's, of shots when he he's, contests he's it. Got, he's got good hands. Um, I think you can say, uh, certainly, it's an argument that you can make with a straight face that in the last two games of the season, game four and game five of the NBA Finals, games four and five, he was better on defense than he was on offense. And you can say that with a straight face. And uh, I, 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 you know, he was terrific offensively in both games, but he had more of an impact on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, I, I think uh, Adebayo was seven for twenty-one in Game Four, and in the second half of Game Five, after a very impressive first half, he had one field goal in seven attempts and three rebounds, and he played twenty-three out of the twenty-four final minutes of the season. He had one field goal and three rebounds in the second half. He had 18 points and nine rebounds in the first half. Jokic in the second half defended Adebayo brilliantly, and in the previous game, Adebayo shot seven for 21, made only a third of his shots. And this is a guy who was 
Miami's MVP in the So NBA maybe finals. I'm overstating, but effective defense involves yes. a lot more than yes. just blocking shots. Yes. And I think Oh, that's, oh, absolutely. That's one of and, the things and, people and have to And to say he at. can't block a shot. I've seen Nikola Jokic on multiple occasions block shots that won basketball. Uh, yes. Correct. Correct. Over the years. Mm-hmm. I've seen him block shots that won basketball Including games. this year. So that's, uh, it and happened, I know, including I'm, a couple blocks in the finals that were I'm the first to say well. block shots doesn't equate with being a great defensive no. player. No, it's 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 visually exciting, and I think that's why people equate it. But no, it is it is not. And uh, when you talk about the kind of players that that you've mentioned, you, know, you talked about Andre Jackson, you talked about Trace Jackson Davis, uh, the folks at ESPN had you know Ben Shepard maybe at 29 out of yeah. Belmont. Yeah, I saw that. I, well, he shoots the lights out. I've talked about Marcus he's, he's Sasser an out of Houston. Shooter, and Sasser is your classic point guard who could come off the but, bench. But, I mean, the Nuggets could come away with three of those four guys tonight. Um, conceivable. Uh, I, I want to get back to what we were talking about an hour ago. I don't know that the Nuggets will make three picks. It doesn't feel like it, but I, I can see a situation but where they if, it, could. if it were to land... If Calvin Booth gets a read on it and realizes, hey, you know what? Maybe I maybe I can do that. Maybe there's an opportunity to upgrade even the lower part of the roster. Maybe there's a better. Maybe you look at a, uh, you you look at a, a Trace Jackson Davis and say, okay, I, that's a way to upgrade my Zeke Naji role. Is that, well, that there's, yeah. there's ways to upgrade and some it's of these. It's a way to replace Jeff Green too. Right. Six right. eight two forty. So that there may be the addition to add three players that may even upgrade some of your picks in the previous drafts that have not lived up to the expectations. So I think there are a lot of options. I'm with you. I'd be surprised if they come away with three. I expect them to come away with two. It wouldn't shock me if they came away with one necessarily. But Booth is is gotten himself a tremendous amount of flexibility. And there are obviously plenty of dance partners in that area because we're seeing the trades even happen as we speak and wait till the draft starts. I think there'll be a ton of trades in this draft. Calvin Booth will get to do more or less what he wants staying in the area of the draft well, in which he resides. I remember, and you do too, you, you've grown up here. There, there were many years in Nugget history where there was no reason to pay any attention to the draft, even when the Nuggets did have first-round picks. Uh, I think during... The middle stages of the uh, Carl coaching era, uh, the Nuggets had uh, a three-headed upper management team yeah. that consisted of Mark Warkentine, who did win executive of the year, the, the late Mark Warkentine. The late Brett Barrup was the second uh, in command, probably, and uh, uh, fellow Kentucky star Rex Chapman was probably the third of the three but they all had influence and they didn't have a whole lot in common with one another. But one thing they did seem to have settled on is the sense that the draft couldn't help them that much. I mean, look at 1990 so, starting in the year, this 96 23rd overall pick of Themios Rencius. fifth pick the next year in 1997, Tony <laughs> two picks in the, uh, the first round of 98, Rafe friends, third overall, uh, Ty Lue. A, a pick that was panned, by right. the way. It would, that was Paul when Pierce they, was sitting right they there. They announced the pick at the arena. Yep. And uh, when Rafe LaFrance's name was announced, booze Ty rained Lue, down uh, on Dennis. Not a bad player. Better coach, though. Ends up being James Posey picks first in 1999. And, and James Posey is a pretty good player. Pretty good player. Mamadou Njai in 2000. 
2002, of course, the famous uh, Nicolo Skidishvili draft pick, also Frank Williams selected. Mello in 2003, of course, Jameer Nelson in 2004. But then you go to Julius Hodge and Jarrett Jack in, in 05. There you, go. you don't have them in 06 and 09. Right. And you go to Kenneth Fareed in 2011. Seemed like uh, that was would okay. work. But okay. it didn't hold up. Evan Fournier in 2012 was turned into a pretty good player, but not for the Nuggets. Eh, Rudy no. Gobert selected by the Nuggets at the 27th pick, but then wow. dealt to Utah right, in a for Eric Green. Disaster there. And even in the selection with Nikola Jokic, remember their first-round pick that they selected and then traded. would be Doug McDermott. Emmanuel Moutier in 2015 didn't work out. Jamal, buckets, right? Yeah, Jamal Murray certainly did. Juan Hernan Gomez is a nice player, certainly not 15th overall pick caliber. Right. Malik Beasley not with the team. Donovan Mitchell uh, traded for pre uh, Yeah, traded for, and I, I'm spacing his name, a guy that basically never even made the league. Uh, didn't hold on at all at the moment. I forgot. Tyler Lydon. Pardon, that's it was yeah. Tyler Lydon. Yes. So traded for Tyler Lydon. Uh, then MPJ, Zeke Naji, who I think by any judgment I call would be something of a disappointment at 22nd in Bones Island. Mm-hmm. Talent, but you had to trade him because he quit yes. on the team. Yes. I mean, you're right. For the, for the first round selections, it's essentially well, been. A bit of a disaster I, I, and, for the and Nuggets. And I even go, I, I go back to I mean, 19, I just went back almost 25 I, years. I, I go back to 1980, which was the first draft that I uh, covered here in uh, Denver because I came on in August of 79. Oh. It was, uh, I know we got 1980. One of the most panned uh, picks in Nuggets well, history. it was James Ray mm-hmm. because Dean Smith liked him. And the Nuggets' idea of draft preparation was essentially to uh, – Looked through Street and Smiths and asked Dean Smith what he thought. Yikes. Uh, they did have a scout by the name of John Nash, who is one of the great uh, talent evaluators it, it, around Denver sports and nobody's really ever heard of, right? And he had his eye on this kid from Louisiana and begged the Nuggets to draft him at number five when they had really wanted Kevin McHale Unfortunately, though, the Nuggets were on the McHale before anybody else. Red Auerbach also got on the McHale during one of the pre-draft camps, and that was all she wrote because the Celtics had the third pick and the Nuggets had the fifth. Um, so they they take James Ray, but the, Nash wanted the Nuggets, begged the Nuggets, to consider this guard from Louisiana named Andrew Tony. And whatever happened to him? The Boston Strangler. Uh, who was a part of a Philadelphia championship team that was one of the most dominant uh, playoff teams over the last 50 years in the National Basketball Association. That was the team that Moses Malone said could go fo fo fo, and they uh, they lost one game. Instead of zero, they lost one. Well, we'll have an opportunity to take a look at the draft, at least as it stands at the moment. Nuggets could have had Andrew but One thing Tony. I can tell you is it won't be uh, – it's not going to look the way it looks – by the time the Nuggets pick, I can almost guarantee you that. But we'll take a look at what they need and how much influence maybe a new a championship-winning coach might have in the equation. We'll talk that over with Hall of Famer George Carl next on Mile High Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Goodbye. 
always delighted to be joined by our uh, next guest. We'll hopefully grab Coach Carl in just a little bit. Uh, in the meantime, if you've been in the areas, uh, getting a little dark and stormy outside, watch out. We saw the bad videos from uh, Red Rocks last night. Oh. Uh, 80 to 90 to 100 people hurt last yeah. night. Uh, that's uh, Red Rocks suggesting uh, via their Twitter account that they would have a talk with Mother Nature. Perhaps Mother Nature suggesting you build a shelter. Just yes. suggesting, obviously. Yes. Uh, that might be an idea for the future for uh, for Red Rocks instead. But as we, uh, we'll try to get George Carl here in just a little bit. But w- when you look at this situation, Sandy, now uh, we know Calvin Booth is the guy that's that's running the show. We know that he's done a, a good job with it. We know that earlier in the in the year, perhaps he and Michael Malone didn't even see eye to eye on some of the moves that were made. However. Obviously, it worked out for everybody involved, and with Michael Malone now uh, going ahead and winning a title, how does that change the input, do you think, with Booth? I mean, certainly there has to be a more than it was before, right? Well, I, I there's don't know. Be a bit I, of a I mean, there's a, there's a collaboration, but I, I, I don't underestimate Calvin Booth's uh, influence at all and the independence uh, that he has exercised. He's, he's always had... Uh, a commanding voice, I think, within uh, the organization. My guess would be that as time went on, Tim Connolly relied on him uh, a little bit more. Now, the moves that Tim Connolly made were Tim Connolly moves, and he has responsibility uh, or uh, is to be credited, uh, depending on uh, what choice he made, uh, on, on every decision. He deserved the blame for the bad ones and credit for the good ones. Uh, but I think that applies also at this point to Calvin Booth. That's, that's a great I, point. I mean, maybe you, you double down. I mean, I, everything he did worked. Just let him do his, I, I, let him cook, I, as they I say. I thought he drafted pretty well last year for not having to pick in the top 20 to get Christian Brown and Peyton Watson. I thought he drafted well last year. And there's no reason to think whether they have one pick, two picks, or three picks at the end of the evening that he will do well this year and they will find prospects who could potentially make them an even deeper team than they were this year and bring skills that they don't necessarily have in abundance right now. Uh, Although I don't know that the Nuggets are anything but the team with the fewest weaknesses in all the NBA at the present time. Going that, into this draft. And boy, is that a, I mean, if you were really to describe for a team, what's the best possible scenario coming to draft? That's it. It's not even necessarily, you know, uh, we, we, we have our top stars or whatever. It's, it's just that easy. It's the idea of that you find yourself in a spot where you simply put have the fewest needs in the league. And, that, and that's really where the, the, the nuggets are to have the fewest needs in the league as the champs, oftentimes, when, and you, I understand the thought process. Well, obviously, you just want no. Most of the times, when you're the champion, there are significant pieces that are that are leaving or about to get taken off uh, or, or stripped. That's the reality in every championship team. The truth of the matter is, it is Bruce Brown. That's that's the list. It's Bruce Brown, and Bruce Brown has an interest in coming back if it all can be made sense. Right. Of. All, all the UFAs, uh, it, well, with the exception of Chris Brown, are back of the bench players who, who generally did not play this year, certainly not in the playoffs with any regularity. 
So he he's the only one. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed Sean Keeler's column today in the Post uh, because we talked about these two people together the other day, Bruce Brown and Nazem Kadri. The situations are very different. Uh, the Nuggets can't afford Bruce Brown beyond a certain point, and we've right. outlined that. The Nuggets are in a different spot, though, with respect to Bruce Brown than the Avs were in last year when it came to dealing with Nazem Kadri, a player at almost any price within reason they couldn't afford to bring back. Right. I mean, even had he played this year at $6 million, a year they already gave six million to Nishushkin, and, and I, I want to note that I, I think, and they weren't going to give six million. Great minds think alike in this case with you and, and Sean Keeler here, but this is something that you've talked about earlier in the week that there is a lot of a comparison here. The understanding that you found a spot where you've been better, you were you've reached the best moments of your career, to the point in which you will be walking away with a ring. And there are two schools of thought. You can immediately cash in or you can find yourself with less money in the best place you've ever been. And it's easy to say because it's not our money. It's easy to say because no one's coming to us with that. And I can't speak for you, but no one's coming to me with Bruce Brown money. But that's it's it's really the, the similarities are very, very close. The only difference is Bruce Brown's, in theory, the best is yet to come for him at the age of 26. Yeah. And in Nas Kadri, that probably was the best there was. And so I think for Kadri, there was some logic in saying, I'm going to take the big money because this is probably the last big contract of my career. So I, that, to me, was defensible for that reason. Oh, I I, I think it was. And but I think listen, for Bruce Nas Brown, Kadri is 31-32. Right. And Bruce Brown 26. is 26. So, so, so it's a bit that of part is different. Oranges. But I think otherwise, that the, these are really similar things. What do you prioritize? What matters to you? Yeah. I I, I do think of them, uh, you know, the, the, the real similarity could have been drawn had Bruce Brown, let's say, scored 20 points a game this year rather than the 11.5 that he averaged, right? He mm-hmm. scored 20 points a game coming off the bench this year. It was a six-man of the year. And at that point, I think you could have said, all right, he had his career year, and he'll probably never come close to all that again. But what happened was the numbers he put up this year suggested to me not that he's a future 15 to 20 point per game guy, but the, he had been thoroughly misused by <laughs> right. the two teams that previously yes. had him. Uh, that I agree with. That they hadn't plugged into his talents. And it seemed like there were about 27 other teams that didn't get Bruce Brown either. Couldn't figure right. out how to use him. And so the Nuggets emerged a year ago as the only team that was interested in Bruce Brown. Now, I will say this. It's a bit of a stretch, but you remember the year they lost in the bubble, and Kadri had decent numbers, but made a key mistake 
in Game 7 against Dallas when the Avs had a one-goal lead in the final minutes and they blew the game, ending up with an overtime loss and an early or then expected finish to, to their season. And then the following year, he gets suspended, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are saying <laughs> addition by subtraction, get rid of him. You know, he, 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 he produced early on, but then he had kind of a normal year this year and he got himself suspended in the playoffs. Move on. The ads did not do that. They recognized his value. And a lot of us probably were leaning in the direction of recommending that he be let go. And the ads were right, bringing him back. And he had a great year, even if it was a career year, hell of a career year when you have 87 points and played with an injury in the playoffs and produced under pressure uh, in several different respects right. <laughs> during the course of the playoffs last year. Uh, so uh, he, he made a choice to leave. And I, I understand Sean Keeler's point that uh, in Calgary, speaking of instability and change, right. Uh, they fired uh, Daryl Sutter. And from what I've read, uh, you know, Daryl Sutter had, past his expiration date. He's a tough guy to play for. And after four or five years, you just throw up your hands because he's throwing temper tantrums all the time. And so Cadre was one of those guys who didn't especially appreciate Daryl Sutter, particularly in the wake of having played for Jared Bednar, who is temperamentally 180 degrees from Daryl Sutter. Right. And, so apparently some Calgary columnists got the idea that because he didn't enjoy playing for Daryl Sutter, that Nazem Kadri was a quote unquote snowflake and characterized him as wow. such in print this week. And so I understand Sean Keeler's point. I wonder if having been called a snowflake, having had a very ordinary year, having hated the coach, <laughs> You were playing for it was almost like a Brock Osweiler yeah. uh, situation going to Houston yeah. playing for Bill O'Brien. I mean, they, they hated each other from day one. We'll find out what Bruce Brown chooses. Obviously, uh, you know, ignore the hysteria that pops up. Oh, Bruce Brown on his Instagram, uh, but that he was in Boston. Well, yeah, he's from Massachusetts. The Celtics can't even talk to him till the 30th. Relax. He's just going home to see the family. Uh, We'll find out what goes on there. But the idea for the draft uh, continues anew. If you are injured, and by the way, boy, with the uh, hail starting to come in, be careful. Uh, If you are injured in an accident, you need to hire the winner and talk to our friends at Burnham Law. That's BurnhamLaw.com. Phone number is 720-845-7001. Hire the winner. That's what they do there. Their personal injury attorneys have years of experience fighting for their clients. Locations in Fort Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, the DTC, Colorado Springs, and even in Cheyenne. When they're injured, uh, you get pushed. Then we'll make sure that they get you your maximum recovery, whether it's by settlement or by trial, to get you right as quickly as possible. Don't hire someone off a billboard. Hire someone who you know will fight for you and you know who gets the wins. That's Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com. 720-845-7001. The draft is coming up in just a few hours. Uh, The madness for the NBA continues. We'll take a look at where the Nuggets sit as they are 
pun somewhat intended, the eye of the proverbial NBA storm, calm in the middle while everyone else is struggling. We'll talk about that next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. We're delighted to speak to our next coach, Naismith Hall of Famer, George Carl, the uh, host, of course, of the Truth and Basketball Podcast with Sandy Clough. You can catch that wherever uh, you'd like. Part of his Truth Plus media company, uh, to get together, presenting all sorts of podcasts, sports, leadership, human performance, truthplusmedia.com, and you can find them uh, everywhere, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, you name it, Coach Carl 22 on Twitter. Coach, thanks for joining us. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk to you because now that the the Nuggets find themselves uh, kind of in the center of a whole bunch of teams chasing them, we've watched uh, Phoenix make a trade. We've now watched Boston make a trade. We've watched Golden State make a trade, all trying to get uh, star players in an effort to overcome what the Nuggets have. But the Nuggets really didn't get it done with a super team. So now going into this draft, uh, what did the Nuggets have that these other teams do not, besides, of course, Nikola Jokic? Uh, they have connection. They have a, a, a unity that mo- a lot of teams don't have. Just because you have great talent and good skills, and if it doesn't fit, it doesn't work. And right now, the Denver Nuggets, and a lot of the credit's got to be given to Jokic, some of them alone, that it fits. And it fits at a, at a level of winning is the reason you play. A lot of players and a lot of teams are playing for money and playing for contracts, playing for stats. And unfortunately, it's become epidemic a little bit in the NBA that everybody's looking to get paid. And the truth of the matter is, Denver's uh, players get paid very, very well. Yoki's, I think, the highest paid player in the NBA. But he plays the game for one purpose, and that's to win. Right. And and I, I just I just don't know if fans realize how special that is in the game of basketball, and maybe in, in sports in general. That a guy that plays the right way every day, all the time, and is demanding that other guys do the same. Bill Walton spoke to Bob Ryan of the Boston Globe this week, George, and said the following, among many other things. Uh, Basketball is an easy game when people play for each other. You can tell that Jokic is happy for the success of others. My hope is that kids will watch Denver with their focus on team play and say, yeah, that's what I want to do. Are, are you as confident as Walton is that uh, uh, the Nuggets have not just become a very, very nice local story, but that uh, their impact and their emphasis on continuity and stability and team play on the floor uh, will create uh, at least part of a new generation of basketball fans and young basketball players who will want to play the way Jokic plays in particular and the Nuggets play in general? Well, Sandy, I think it's going to take a couple of years because, I mean, how many people were surprised or shocked or overwhelmed by how good Jokic was because they haven't seen him play 
or they didn't want to give him the credit. He's been playing this way for three years. Yeah. Maybe four. And and nobody wants to, you know, he's not he's not flashy. He's not spectacular. He's a boring. Um, and the truth of the matter is he just plays the game the right way. And don't get me wrong, he is extremely. His basketball IQ, I think, is one of the best ever. Not the best now, but maybe the best ever for a big guy, definitely. And maybe in general, period. Uh, so I think we're very fortunate. And it also comes, you know, Sandy and I, you and I have talked about how AAU basketball and now money being paid to NIL right. system of college. All of a sudden, you're, you're ruining the game by bringing more and more money into the game, and you don't have the high school system. I just thought the high school system and the student athlete was a foundation that we had in America that was really, really good. But over the last 20 to 25 years, it's disintegrated, and it's more AAU and money that is the driving force to basketball today. Talking to you, Coach George Carlin, and so now the Nuggets find themselves in an enviable position. They have three picks. Uh, as upperclassmen continue to be sort of deprioritized in the draft, the kind of players that they want to contribute to keep this championship window open uh, right now seem to be sitting right where they have three picks. So how do you look at it for the Nuggets uh, let's hypothetically say that, that Bruce Brown does not return. What are their primary needs, and do you believe they can fill some of those with rookies that would be selected at that point in the draft? Well, I'm going to say, and I'm sure all the fans are not like what I say, because I, 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 I hope they realize the reason they're good is how they built the team last summer. And, yeah, they might lose Bruce Brown. But And they might need a big guy to back up somebody. Right. But please don't think it's all about younger players. Please understand that younger players usually don't play. Mm -hmm. What Christian Brown did this year is the exception yes. to the rule. And I like, I like the idea of having draft picks. I like the idea of trying to find a, a diamond in the rough. I love that idea because, you know, they're, they're – they, they found Jokic, so maybe they got another guy they're going to find. But in general, a guy takes three to four years to, put, to play in a playoff game uh, or be an influx in a playoff game. And I, I just think, you know, if I had a choice between trading two draft picks for a veteran player that I know, it's going to play 25, 25 minutes for me. I think we need those guys, those guys who have character, those guys who want to be on a winner, and those guys who would love to play with Jokic. I think those guys are going to be out there as much as you're going to have younger players coming available in the draft. You know, I always felt that the, the most important thing in building your team is – Make sure you have a good culture where guys get better in your gym and you're a winning team. And then the additions come, I think, more in trades and in free agency. 
this, this, this team has been built by it. Aaron Gordon been picked up in a good trade. And it's been picked up by good draft picks, but Jokic being number one, Murray being number two. But there are a lot of draft picks that have not worked out here in Denver also. So please don't overreact. And I'll just say, I think the draft, I understand why people get excited about it. But in my opinion, it's the most overrated thing <laughs> and overrated thing of building a basketball team in the NBA. That is George Carl, of course, Naismith Hall of Famer, uh, Coach Carl22 on Twitter and host of the Truth and Basketball Podcast with Sandy Clough. Go check that out. The Nuggets with three picks at the moment in the draft tonight. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. And also, Sandy, I, I don't know if you know more about the collective bargaining agreement, <laughs> but some of the trades that have gone down here in the last this last day, the Bill trade and the trade with Chris Paul, that looks like a salary cap situation to me. Absolutely. I, I don't know how these teams are going to pull it off, but I think Sean had it right earlier when he said these teams are going for it this next year. year. After that, look out below. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's what they're saying next year is a free swing. Yeah. And and they know that you know, they know that Denver might have had a an easy path to the championship. But what they don't know is Denver is really, really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and their uh, their window is open for more than just this year. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Coach. It. Stay safe. Right, Thanks. Bye bye. All right. Uh, I, if I could indulge very quickly, I I, I want to mention uh, a fellow by the name of David Miller, uh, who is a new listener from uh, far across the country to our program today, and I think he has not only listened but he has been watching. Oh, so, hey, all right. Want to recognize? Thanks David so much. All the more reasons you can visit, by the way, is we appreciate That's everyone right. listening over the air. You can uh, go to the website, MileySports.com, or the app. Uh, you can listen at, at your leisure. You can also uh, catch the videos as well. Danny Bailey's the man in the booth that makes all of that work, all of it sound good and look good. Uh, George Carl, of course, getting to join us. Always a treat to talk to the coach. A lot going on tonight for the Denver Nuggets. First, uh, try to stay safe. Try not to... Uh, Get hailed on, careful with those uh, cars, and careful with yourself. Don't get brave driving in the, those big, deep waters, okay? Be smart, because we want you back tomorrow, because we're going to talk about the Nuggets draft, how it shakes out. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. We'll catch you tomorrow, but you keep it right here on Mile High Sports.